Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a free title, and start listening now. It is that easy. I do it all the time. I use Audible myself. Go to audibletrial.com SLM and get started now. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, sports variety show brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, and I am joined in studio with JB. JB, what's going on, man? J-Mac, we're back for another episode, back in the studios on a Sunday. It feels great. It's uh, The only part that sucks is about 105 degrees outside. <laughs> it is about you. balls hot here, dude, and it stinks out loud. We were talking about that before the show. I can't stand being in texas in the summertime it makes me want to die yeah a a little warm right now that is for sure but uh we will persevere as we always do through these hot august summers because you know the other side of this j max football and yeah uh, that's what we continue to get bombarded with so it's fantastic i was thinking about my mindset from this time last year versus this year and honestly like you know me man i've always been a big football guy but I mean, it's always been baseball, football, basketball for me. And I mean, those orders switch around depending on the seasons. It, it usually feels like. But sure. last year, the Red Sox were just absolutely on fire all year long. And I was really mostly looking forward to the baseball postseason. It wasn't really thinking much about NFL football until it got here. And then I was absolutely stoked the second it arrived this year. The Red Sox stink, so I'm counting down every second until it gets here. We have 18 days till regular season football, and I couldn't be more excited about it. Only 18 days? That that can't be right. Is that right? Sure is. Got a countdown on my phone. Wow. I mean, that that puts it into perspective for you. And uh, for those of you who maybe just kind of football sneaking up on you because, you know, we got kids or a life going on, uh, next Saturday, J-Mac, is going to be college football. And the first game of the season, Florida-Miami, uh, and Miami had a huge quarterback controversy. I know you're very familiar with Tate Martell. You know, A&M commit, spurred them, went to Ohio State. It's kind of upset he didn't start over Dwayne Haskins. They brought in Justin Fields. He went to Miami. He's kind of the shoe-in yeah. to start, and now a freshman was named over him. So kind of some headlines in Miami, Florida, obviously an exciting team. Uh, with Dan Mullins now in his first full year there in Florida, uh, the battle between those two teams. I'm excited. So just I know 18 days for NFL, but next weekend, buddy, we it's college get football. Yeah, real live bullets. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I think yeah, there's a lot going on there. So is let me ask you a couple questions about that. You may may or may not know. Is Dan Mullins still dealing with a bunch of the recruiting restrictions and stuff like that that kind of were left in the wake of his? Or did Jim McElwain must uh, take care of most of that stuff from before? Yeah, I don't think there's anything uh, holding them back. If there is, you know, that's on me for not being up to date. I, yeah. I think they're in the clear there. Uh, they, I mean, they've been dealing with that since Urban Meyer left, basically. Uh, I feel like if you're a Florida school, whether it's Florida State, Miami, whoever, uh, I would imagine you probably have enough recruiting violations that could set you back for a long time yeah whether they're found out or not but oh they were founded too i mean those some of that stuff was rough yeah uh, i guess if you're a a high school athlete being recruited i would recommend taking a trip out to any florida (laughs) school that's gonna host you for the weekend that that's where we will leave that that is true but yeah i'm excited for for it to be here too man I, i love college football I feel like over the years, my interest in college football has waned other than like watching the big games. And I'm fine with that because sure. the big games are exciting a lot of times. Actually, yeah, more times than absolutely. not, it doesn't seem like they are, but it's still fun to get kind of pumped up about it. I think what college football as a whole, and I'm not sure kind of how these changes came together, but from the standpoint of really giving us football seven days a week and I, I know a lot of folks are not on board with the NFL being on Thursday and spreading that out, which I can agree with. But, you know, these college kids playing 12 games a 
a, a season and you get these Mac games, you know, like on a Tuesday and Wednesday night, you know, it's really fun. And these kids get a chance to be on primetime TV, which J Mac, if they're playing at two 30 on Saturday, are you showing Akron an Akron game over no. any big 10 or big 12 game? No, no, definitely not. So I think college football did a lot of good for themselves on exposure. Cause I gotta say, I, I watch tons of Mac games just because it's football. It's on Wednesday. What else am I going to watch? I was going to ask you: Are we going to do some action this year? I feel like we gotta we gotta do some live streaming of some action games. I feel like that's. Oh, amazing. I love some action. Some Northern Illinois is always fun to get behind. I remember versus Kent State. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but I mean Jordan Lynch a handful of years back. That kid was a could rope the ball, baby. I, I loved watching Northern Illinois back then, and. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're we're certainly excited here at Sensibly Loud. We got tons of content being delivered, and uh, we're gonna do probably throughout the week. We're gonna have the NFC preview up with Kyle Beats joining us back in the studio. Terrific feedback from you listeners on the insight he was able to bring into the podcast. So we appreciate his hard work and dedication. Uh, he's certainly been digging up a lot of off-season notes for us, which yeah. makes our life easy. It does. When we can come on here, we got a heavy lifter. Makes my life way easier. It sure does, and I I love the perspective of like, I I kind of like seeing you guys' perspective as Cowboys fans versus the rest. And I know that doesn't really matter in what we do, but I feel like you guys have a, a good jaded way of looking at it to make it feel like I don't know to be realistic about a lot of things, and that that. I appreciate a lot. So I think you two kind of brought that together. I loved it. I love listening back to it. And I don't typically listen back to anything like that because I just, eh. uh, I, I know what was said. I was there. Going on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I still think that having Kyle on for NFC or having him miss for NFC would have been a mistake. So we had to make sure that we have him on. So we're going to record that later on this week for everybody. So I yeah, can't wait. Top priority, you know, great feedback from the AFC. I know you you guys are looking with the fantasy drafts. You need the sleepers. You need to take a look at, you know, the odds and what's being projected out. So we're going to be here for that. Um, so let me ask you this is. But like, Jamie, I mean, what what's you're wrapping up the summer here. You know, is there anything that folks should be on the dial? Is there a movie that you're like, hey, you got to see this before. Ooh, buddy. Um, that's a good question. Nothing really. Hold on. Did that just glitch up terribly? No, it came out okay. Oh, okay. It, it glitched a little bit, but we'll just start. Yeah, no, I think as we okay. exit the summer, I'm, I am most excited. We're going to talk baseball here in a couple minutes and just update everybody on where everything is. I'm excited to say goodbye to this year's iteration of the Red Sox. I am beyond furious at this point, but we'll get into that here in a few minutes. And I'm, I'm just, I think I'm ready for football to start, and I haven't really focused on a whole lot else. I think since Blue Loud Radio, we're covering some of the different movies and stuff that are coming coming around the corner. So make sure to, you know, a little cross-promotion there. Check that out whenever you guys get a chance. But they'll be covering anything anything to wrap up summer. And I think as we get towards the fall, we're going to get towards Halloween. Lots of fun stuff. Halloween's an underrated holiday, I think. Yeah, I, I think it kicks off that holiday season. You know, right from there, you just get Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. I mean, it just is kind of the kickoff to everything. So I'm with you. And, you know, you, you, you wrap up the summer for a lot of us sports fans and listeners. And it's kind of like your last hurrah before. I mean, I'm locked down on the couch Friday night till Sunday with football. I mean, I'm not moving a stick. I'm staying right there. So it's kind of that last chance if you're trying to get a weekend trip in, go float a river down in Austin, whatever you're looking to do. You better finish it up quickly because we've got a lot on the docket moving forward. It is true. I am going to be doing a lot of traveling for content, though. I'm going to make it out to Atlanta for a playoff game for that. And think going to make a few other things happen here and there. We've talked about a few ideas. So there's going to be lots going on, but I, I agree with you as a general rule. I will be parked in front of my TV with Twitter up and you know, make sure to follow us both on Twitter. You get live you know, reactions and all that stuff as things are going on throughout the day. I mean, there's just no better time. You you and I get along best when football is happening. Oh, absolutely. It's <laughs> it's a fun time to put those um, preconceived notions to shame and, you know, get people like Titans fans all worked up. So, yeah, um, you know, tw for the for the listeners and, you know, Twitter's kind of a wasteland at some points. But NFL Sunday, there's not hotter takes delivered than on NFL Sunday, especially week one. Oh, buddy, you're not. I kidding. mean. 
<laughs> you, you talk about some overreactions. I mean, think of what, what was it last year? The Saints lost to the Buccaneers. Yeah, week, week one. one. Saints are done. They're over. You could argue they should have been in the Super Bowl, obviously, with the pass interference play. I mean, there's not a better way to figure out what, who, who's actually going to be good because whatever Twitter's saying against teams, that's probably a team to get on and ride that hot streak because there's some freezing cold takes out there throughout the, the week one of the NFL season. It is true. Let me ask you this. I have no idea. If, we haven't talked about this at all. Are you caught up on hard knocks? You know, I, I'm a little behind. And okay. uh, my, my issue with hard knocks, I think it just – it's such a jaded view that you get from these teams. Oh, yeah. Well, the teams have the ultimate control over what goes in or out. Right. And it just, I've never been able to decipher anything that I can use useful, whether that's in the market as we move into the season um, or, you know, on a fantasy level or just on a personal level, whether I want to like or dislike a guy. Yeah. Um, now, the Browns were pretty good last year. I mean, they that were. was fun. That was probably one of the best seasons connecting with. You know, the, those guys who are on the fringe of making the team, you know, their old line coach with his big gut saying, you know, and, yeah. and whatnot. So, but for whatever reason, that's never done it for me. I, I much prefer the shows that have come out kind of in a similar time frame. You get Last Chance You on Netflix. Yep. Documentary of Juco football. Fantastic. And then I think it's called Under the Lights, which follows three of the top freshmen or senior high school quarterbacks. Uh, just a little preview there, Spencer Rattler, the OU commit five-star quarterback. Uh, I would say it's a very intriguing senior year for him, uh, which uh, <laughs> we'll maybe dive into as we move through college football okay. season. But Let's that, definitely those are that. my viewing pleasures. So I, I get what you're talking about with hard knocks because I've never been re- like religiously on it either. Like I don't usually care for the teams too much. Like I didn't really care about the Bucks situation. I really didn't when they were on it a few years ago. You know, like, right. I, I just, uh, in general, like, eh, you know, because it's always guaranteed the bottom, what, six teams have a, a shot at it, something like that. And so, like, yeah, uh, again, you, to your point, teams have the ultimate control over what goes into it. So, I mean, I was surprised with Hard Knocks this year overall because they've had a lot of the Antonio Brown stuff in it, which that's a whole other topic that we discussed last week. But it's still ludicrous nonetheless. But I'll tell you, man, Gruden... That guy is something. He's an insane person. If if watching, if you're gonna watch this at all, it's worth watching it for Gruden. I'll tell you that. Okay. It's a lot less of like the subplots where you have like the what was the guy's name last year for the Browns? The Kajust guy. That guy was fucking great. Um, yeah. Yeah. None of those kinds of like plot lines. None of those like little like you don't have nearly as many of the feel good stories. It's a lot more raw camp footage and like I don't know, but it's all kind of a sham too because it's like uh. So they're going to training camp, for example, in Napa Valley. Awesome thing to do for the Oakland Raiders, other than the fact that they're only going to be the Oakland Raiders for another year. So right. It's a little it, bit it, weird. It, yeah, and I guess my overall arching with it is you can only get out of it what the team's willing to put into your point last year, some feel-good stories with Cleveland, you know, the quarterback tight end. And obviously, with what we've seen go on between Antonio Brown and Gruden, I mean, where else are they going to go with with the storyline? I mean, I get that, but, but buddy, I, I just you, don't. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't move the needle for me yeah. enough to spend the time. And this is the time where you know, folks and listeners, you should be listening to podcasts. You should be doing your reading. You got to get up to speed with what's going on in these battles between you know who's going to be the starting wideout, running back. I mean, you. It's just tough to waste time this at this point in the season, you got to be ready to go week one. And I can't preach that enough for folks who are trying to prepare for uh, whatever endeavor you are taking those uh, talents. Well, guess what? Once I boot heel all the information about the Raiders, then you're going to be sorry. That's all I can do. That's fine. You know what? I I had a draft (laughs) last night with one of our listeners. Uh, We got involved with Antonio Brown. Mm. So, what I'm you, all on board, baby. People are uh, number one wideout. I mean, for the past handful of years, I, people are letting him slip just because of hard knocks. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If, I think a lot of that kind of coincidentally kind of came out around the same time. I mean, I, I I get what you mean, but and he's not worth sleeping on. But I just do wonder how how much he's going to end up ultimately playing for one reason or the other. It's almost like the Dez thing. 
It's the, almost the exact same type of situation where the guy just got paid, so his motivation is different. Regardless of like, it's just different when you're hungry. Period. Yeah, and, and hungry is a, a antiquated term for these guys, but you know what I mean. When you're hungry for that next big deal, and so I, I, I just don't know. I, I really don't know what to say about it other than like. I will say the insight that you get is that John Gruden walks around talking about him like he is just God's gift to football, and you got to think that's somewhat worrisome for, I don't know, I just feel like that's a bad look for for the team to be basically just walk around and be like, oh, well, we got this guy, so, you know, have you seen this guy? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, yeah, we've all seen him, dude. Like, he's still a guy on the team just like everybody else here. It seems like a really weird place to put Antonio Brown I, I guess I, all I'm saying is it sets him up to feel like it's going to fail. Well, from one football league that we're excited about, J-Mac, to another that we are going to be heavily involved in from a media side, from a season ticket holder side, to a relationship building, you know, the XFL, which has been announced, you know, for some time now, Vince McMahon's new endeavor, certainly very well known for the WWE side, he has sunk a lot of money into the new XFL team or franchises here. And one is going to be in Dallas, Texas, which we've spoken about and played right there in Arlington in your backyard, J-Mac. And the first signing went to Dallas. Yeah. Landry Jones coming on. J-Mac, what's your initial thoughts to the XFL and your excitement level? Dude, so I'm absolutely stoked about this. I feel like we might be stoked about it for a bit different reasons, but we'll get into that here in a second. But I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be awesome. It's 10 games for the season. It's they're rebooting this XFL idea. I haven't we haven't really seen much about like what the differences are going to be from what happened the first time. So I guess we could start there. I mean, what in your so you watched the 30 for 30. You lived it. I mean, I remember it very vividly and it all went to hell in a handbasket so fast. And it just it never really was done properly. It feels like they're taking their time this time. What do you think about this? Right, and so we must start with why I think it can be successful and also what they need to do to be successful to continue that because as we've seen with the AFL, that was a flop. You mean so, the AAF? A, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. AFL too. That, that, yeah, well, yeah, to a degree. Um, to your point, right off the bat, um, they have taken their time. They are preparing this. These are all going to be locally owned teams. So this isn't going to be you know, one big, you know, ownership by Vince McMahon. Everyone's going to individually own their teams, which I do like. I think that's a smart move. Now, they've targeted certain cities, which make a lot of sense as well. I think geographically, the areas that they chose were a little bit better than what we saw out of uh, the Alliance League. Mm -hmm. So that, that does intrigue me. St now, how do you continue this is by attracting players. And obviously, you're not going to sign Antonio Brown. Sure. You're not going to be able to do, do this. Where I think their niche is and where it has to be is going to be with top high school recruits who want to get paid. They don't want to go to college football and, you know, sit the bench freshman year and not get paid. Or on top of the high school kids, signing guys just like Trevor Lawrence. I mean, true freshman, won a national championship, doesn't need to prove anything. He he should be going to the NFL. He's got that talent. But based on the rules, he cannot. So if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm going, okay, I can stay at Clemson two more years, not make any money, probably win another national championship. Or the AFL's offered me a two-year contract until I'm eligible to go to the NFL, $10 million a year, and you're able to bring in big names like that. That is the only way that I think that this can really get huge traction and support is by bringing in either top high school kids or top freshmen. Because every year we watch, you know, great freshman quarterbacks, running backs, big names. So I think that's a way that they can really drum up some excitement because I would be pumped to go watch Trevor Lawrence play for the XFL Dallas. Mm -hmm. No, so I'm with you. I, I think the problem ends up being the talent pool in general, and that's always the issue with these. It's like right. AAF was great, but at the end of the day, the ta the talent just wasn't there. And the product wasn't there because of that. And I just, I get what you're saying by going after these young, exciting guys. But like so many of these guys don't end up working that right way. Or, you know, it just, it's so subjective. And like, at the end of the day, you still have these division twos and three schools that are picking up these guys that maybe, 
you know, don't. Ha- so uh, let me ask you this. So before I go there, is your your premise is essentially that they would go after the guys that are in the very specific niche of being really good in high school, not wanting to wait you know, a couple of years of college, but wanting to play professionally and grow. Right. That, that's kind of your premise. Yeah, I think yeah. that's spot on. I, I think you have to have a niche here because you, you're not right. going to top the NFL. I agree. So you, have, you can't so you compete with them in any way. You have to find a niche there, and I think that's the best area that they can do it is trying to target these big names. And they do have the distribution. Alliance, the Alliance Association did not have the distribution. I mean, So tell no me more about that. Or how to watch. You had to download a weird app or go to a website that had a bunch of ads. They, they, they didn't have that outlet that you need as a fan. Like, I just want to be able to pop on the TV and find it. What network is it going to be on? From my understanding, is they're going to have ESPN distribution. Really? Okay, so I didn't know that. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, that definitely helps. That definitely helps the validity of it because that's always been an issue, too. But when they did the XFL the first time, they did it on NBC, and Dick Ebersol was one of the biggest players in this, and it exploded as far as... I mean, just the whole situation all the way around. Like one of their biggest national games, they forgot to put gas in the generator to keep the, the <laughs> you know, the truck going to broadcast the feed. And it's just like, yeah, man, like you can't make mistakes like that. Like I get that that's an extreme example, but that shit happens all the time. And I mean, we're talking about NBC here, you know, so I mean, the distribution definitely matters. The product definitely matters, but I just think the problem ends up being that these lower level, like these guys. So, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be hard to get around the whole going to college thing because they can get around anything. If I mean, other other than going to like Harvard or Yale or something like that, you know, where you have just high academic standards, for the most part, anybody can, a coach can make whatever happen if they're trying to get a guy somewhere. I mean, is that fair for yeah. college? I think it's fair. I, just with the current rule set, I think the best measure for success is going after that niche. And just to clarify for anyone listening, it's ESPN, Fox, and ABC. Nice. Well, okay. The, yeah. The, the distribution partners. So, I guess that makes sense. But my so, point is, though, that like they're going to struggle with the, the talent pool is going to be too big, is my point. And that's what my concern for this is. And I get what you're saying, because that is definitely the right niche and the right model to go after. I just don't know if that's going to work because it's been tried a lot and it hasn't worked ever, not once. Yeah, it, it really hasn't. And I I think at some point, if this doesn't take off, probably going to be a while to the next. But I think some rule changes can help this as well from a product standpoint. Yeah, so can, do you know some of the rules that were in place the first time? I would have to look them up exactly on the changes. I, I mean, there was some hitting that was allowed, some uh, different motion. Motion was always all motion was allowed. Yeah, it, it kind of had that arena football ish yeah. type of feel with the NFL vibe. But uh, from my point of view, I think there's kind of two ways we can improve with the with the XFL coming through. First is going to be no punts past the 50 yard line. Okay. If you are at the 50-yard line or forward into opponent's territory, you don't punt it. You go for it. You got four downs. Okay. No matter what. And also, do if you you're punt in past, the so you're, if you're on the other side, do you punt on the other 50? So that's my if you're on your half of the field, you don't punt at all. It just flips 50 yards automatically. Okay. Interesting. So I think, you know, obviously from a safety standpoint, special teams has been highlighted more than not from kickoffs to punt returns, to field goals. There's just too much, you know, speed coming. There's so many weird injuries. This is where they say a lot of concussions occur is from kickoffs and punts. So I'm eliminating that. And I also think it adds a strategery factor as well. Mm -hmm. From the standpoint of, let's say I'm at the, let's say it's third and 13 and I'm at the, you know, 45-yard line. Do I just go backwards and take a knee at the my own 49 so I can flip it 50 yards and they have it at their one? So, so, <laughs> yeah. so it, there's there's a different factor there. I think it adds another element to the game. It's something the NFL is not doing, and you have to differ, differentiate yourself. If you're just throwing out a product on the field that is the same rules, the same type of setup, but you're going to have lesser players, it's not going to work, Correct. which you mentioned. It hasn't. So you have to change it up. I, I think that has to be something thought about. And my other thing was the fourth downs going in. You got four downs. 
you don't, we, we, we're not seeing any punts. We're not doing anything else. You get four downs to decide what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Move on. Yeah. No, you're a hundred percent correct. It has to be different than that because it, it's, but like the, the problem ends up being here. Cause I've thought about this a lot and like the problem ends up being that you have these guys that or like you. Have, so you have these guys and also fans that are used to the rules that they know. So it can't be way too far off the usual rules either. So you get really boxed in really quickly as far as like what you can do in this case, which that makes it really difficult here. But I think some of those things would really make a difference because the injury and all that. I mean, the and I the one rule thing that I do remember from the first one is the fact that you didn't have any kind of coin flip or anything like that. You put your two fastest guys on each team or your one fastest guy from each team in the end zone and they rush, they sprint out whoever gets to the ball first. That's who gets the first possession. This the, isn't dodgeball, right. J-Mac. No, this isn't dodgeball. That's what they did the first time, right? And so... Ridiculous. And they tore an ACL on the very first time they tried it. So, exactly. like, your point being entirely that they have to they have to do something that's going to help the game be progressive progressive and, and a better product right it is be, kicker in punter maybe more kicker is one of the worst positions in the nfl it is so top heavy it's almost like head coaches you got your top eight to ten guys who stay where they're at you know that's your great kickers and then the rest are all just changing uniforms. You're just, hey, yeah. great. We're, we'll take a stab on, you know, Phil Dawson, who I know isn't kicking anymore. But, you know, you're just you're just changing lanes with all these kickers after an extent. I don't want to see the second string kickers in the XFL. Right. There's so many bad kickers already in the NFL. I don't get why we need to incorporate that any further. I mean, they're all missing it left. Same thing with the Alliance. They're missing it left and right. They couldn't kick a field goal to save their freaking lives eliminate it it's not worth it it's more exciting for fans when you see teams go for it on fourth down when you don't see these punts that's what you always want every time you're watching an nfl game do you ever sit there and go oh gosh i hope they just punt this away here never right never never so i think it could i think this adds another element and then the other part of it always going for two so you score a touchdown six points and and that's how you're not going to end up with ties and whatnot and all all that but You know, I'm sure there's plenty. You can always argue the other side of it. But to your point, we're looking at how you can differentiate yourself, but also not tweak it up too much. It's not a lot to understand. Hey, we don't do kicking. We don't do special teams, baby. This is just high-flying offenses going out there. And yeah. I, think I think that's fun. I think that's entertaining. Yeah, I think it needs to be very air raid style, very, you know, moving the ball through the air a lot, that kind of thing. Exciting smash mouth football you know like you actually really not even as much smash mouth football you really want just you don't want these physical 10 to 6 games you want you want high scoring you know right. games I, out of all I, this. I want you know these 54 to 44 weird scores two point conversions and everyone's going to go okay well what about an onside kick what about that guess what you don't it's not the case get them off get yeah. them out of there I mean, you know what? They can flip it. I don't know. Add timeouts if you wanted to be able to stop the clock more. I, I don't know. But there needs to be actual changes that they put in place that differentiate themselves enough to make the product more enjoyable. Right. And I think that's a way to have high. No one complains about high-scoring games from a fan perspective. If I'm watching a college football game that I don't have a horse in mm-hmm. and I'm not cheering for a team, then I'm not on either side. I just want entertainment. I want to. Yeah. I don't want to watch Boston College run it with Austin Dillon up the middle three times and punt. I don't right. want to watch that. So that's it's, my thought. It's the same exact reason I don't like watching college basketball. It's the exact same thing. But again, that's another story for another day. But yeah, man. So okay. So overall, we're gonna get season tickets to this thing. Five home games. We're gonna make oh. content galore out of it. I don't think this thing lasts more than a season. I'm just gonna say it right now. We'll see what what they put in place. So I think things will come more into clarity as we keep going. But this start thing starts up in February. We're gonna have a video camera there on us the whole time. One thing that I've kind of gathered by perusing the website is that it's a very family friendly oriented type. Like I guess just scene they're going for in general, and so I wonder what that's gonna do to it because the whole idea of this originally, I mean, it was 
the extreme football league. It was like wrestling mixed with football. You're not going to have that. It's going to be way more family friendly, it seems, which is fine. But are we going to be the the obnoxious dressed up football guys? Probably so. I'm fine with that. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. Sure. And so for folks at home, just for the money wise, which was a huge you know part of the alliance downfall. Vince McMahon's already put in nearly $300 million. He's pledged up to $500 million to get this thing going. It's a lot of money, J-Mac. That's a lot of money to get a thing booted up. And that that's his own money. I mean, he sold over 3 million shares of WWE to get to use it for this. I, I just, when someone's putting that much money into it, it tells me, one, they're either crazy stupid, which he could be. Mm-hmm. He could be. Yep. Or he's got an idea and feels very confident about moving forward. Let me ask you this. When has Vince McMahon ever been unconfident about something he's done? Right. That's what I'm saying. He could be so confidently wrong and we could hear about him being bankrupt soon. But you know what? He's found a way to make fake wrestling into a wildly popular, you know, uh, event. Yeah. Or however you want to word that. So um, I'm not going to necessarily write him off right away about you know, when you're putting this much money and not being successful. I get what you're saying, and that can help. But, I mean, if it ultimately gets to be where... I mean, you just kind of think about it from the standpoint, too, of, like, you've got football Thursday through Sunday, or through Monday night, all the way through the season. You get to the Super Bowl. Everybody's tired. Everybody's getting ready for the for the uh, the tournament and everything coming up, you know, the NCAA tournament. I mean, as far as timing-wise in the year, they're putting this at a perfect time. Starts in February. So, like, yep. that does that is a dead month. Like, we dealt with that last year where we were struggling to come up with content. And we are I mean, just because there was nothing going on for those, like, four weeks between the Super Bowl and the tournament really heating up. And so, it's one of those things where they definitely placed it in the right spot. But I just... Uh, I, I, if it ultimately fails... I mean, that's exactly what happened with the AAF is the excitement was there for the first two or three weeks and then it just spiraled out of control. And I mean, there were $250 million investments there, too, and it did make a damn bit of difference. Yeah, yeah, and you're, you're spot on. They, AAF did capture that early on with that excitement. So uh, it, it's there. They just got to figure out how to keep, keep it going. Um, that is a big distribution deal, though. It is. So that's what I'm saying. I think that is a difference. Um, well, well, regardless, we're going to be at every game. And we're going to live and die with the XFL no matter how it happens. I'm going to get a He Hate Me jersey. I have to. I, I hope that they do that on the jerseys where guys can put whatever they want on them again. Yeah, I don't think. I think he already nixed that. I think he. Did he? Damn. I think Vince McMahon said he thought that was a little too. I don't know what word he wants to use, but I, I think he nixed that. It's so hard for Vince McMahon to look everyone seriously in the face and say that something's over the top. Oh. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. But that, yeah, well, the WWE is the definition of over the top. That's what makes it so great. I, it's not my thing, but I get why people like it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I've never latched on, but, you know, it, it certainly has its audience and uh, done very well. So, well, J-Mac, from one league that's struggling to one that's wrapping up this season, Major League Baseball, we've moved past that. Uh, one trade deadline and things have kind of settled in. Uh, I, I guess we can start in the AL East here. You know, the Yankees have continued marching on, even with injuries to, you know, a lot of folks and struggling from starting pitching. They're kind of doing what we thought Boston would do is just outmash everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rays have dealt with a plethora of injuries as well. Uh, on the starting pitching side and and Boston's kind of floating around where do you think it ends up is there much change from here on out with the AL East no not really Boston's going to miss the playoffs for sure they so I mean they were five and a half out going into two series they were back to back against the Yankees and the Rays they got swept in both those series dropped eight or six or no eight games total right there and they were pretty much out of it from there as far as the the uh, division's considered and I mean ultimately man I mean the bullpen has not done them any favors. We've talked about that all year, even going into the year. And I was unwaveringly que- not questioning Dave Dombrowski because how can you when you just won a World Series? But they were incredibly arrogant not to add to the bullpen. And on top of that, though, the starters have been absolutely horrific. And Chris Sales got like a two-win record or a two- or three-win record. 
I mean, that's not good. And ultimately, David Price has been terrible. And I, I just, un, overall, from a pitching standpoint, they've, they've had the offense. Rafael Devers is having a Ted Williams-esque year. He looks damn good. They've had a lot of guys take steps in the right direction. They've had guys scoring runs. I mean, they've maybe not quite as much as last year, but they've still had people scoring runs. Like, I think they're, they're like in the top five or seven in baseball, something like that at this point. Like, they've been scoring the runs, but their pitching's been so atrocious. And with Chris Sale hitting the IL with Schultz or with the elbow inflammation yesterday, seeing Dr. James Andrews today, Dr. James Andrews is the premier elbow specialist in the world. And that's not He's a also thing. the premier name you don't want to hear as a fan when you have a player going to him. Um, you know, one thing I thought was interesting, I took a look at the AL. Anyone with a positive run differential is over 500, and anyone with a negative is below, which makes sense. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, that does make sense. But I feel like every year we always have a like the Rangers a couple years ago when they won the division, you know, with kind of a weird team, Jeff Bannister, I think it was his first year. Yeah. You know, they lost to Toronto. Yep. That Jose Bautista. You know, I think they honestly had a negative run differential. Where yeah, they did. Getting, no, it was like right. plus two. It was like really, really low. Yeah, but you look at these teams, you know, Boston's plus 82. Everyone else is right around or over 100 run plus differential. I mean, it, it always amazes me, though, when things go like, how they're supposed to and that's kind of the way the al is where the the teams who are supposed to be winning the games do and the teams who aren't aren't and it's weird that nothing's fallen someone's way in the al in the luck factor so Uh, you know maybe the indians but they've been really electric well that brought me to my next point you you know i gotta give you credit i i was certainly on the twins bandwagon to start the year and you were very critical you were like hey pump the brakes this team isn't there yet and obviously Cleveland's been on a great run and the twins are still, you know, over 600 win percentage, but this team has crashed back down to earth starting pitching wise and with some injuries on the hitting side and, and certainly people just coming back down to earth, relatively speaking. Um, twins do have the lead right now, but do you see that holding out for the next month and a half? No, I think Cleveland ultimately takes it. And the only reason I, I really felt that way about the twins ultimately they have a lot of young talent. They're a really up-and-coming team. They felt like the Red Sox a couple of years ago in 2018 where they just weren't quite there yet but will be a, a topic of conversation in the coming years, which is a great place to be. This is a great year for experience for these guys to play together, to gel together, and to really figure out what they need as they go into the offseason. So that's huge. So I, I, while I'm not surprised they regressed just because of that alone, I think Cleveland, on top of that, has really figured things out. They've missed Michael Brantley, but then they've turned around and been able to add players like Fran Mel Reyes. They were able to ship Trevor Bauer out of town at the same time, which was, you know, integral for their future. And Trevor Bauer has been absolute shit since he's been with the Reds. And I just I feel like Fran Coda knows how to get the best out of that team. And they have something in the tank that they're ready to to really unleash i ultimately don't think they make it past the astros but they're really damn good yeah and i think that's a good point j mac who's just bringing up the leadership and calmness of terry francona i i mean this is a team that lost Corey kluber who is on his way back you know earlier this week did throw about four innings i believe at double a um carrasco has been out obviously with his uh situation very sad news there but He's going to be back team. in the bullpen, though. He's starting to throw bullpens already. Is he? Yep. Wow, that's fantastic news. So, I mean, this Cleveland team was was really easy to write off, maybe is the way I'd say it. I mean, you didn't see Zach Plezak being able to perform the way he's at. Mike Clevenger's come back and looking like an ace, who's certainly an under-the-radar type of guy to me, who I, I've loved watching him throw. I mean, it seems like everyone's peaking at the right time for them. Reyes, to your point, was a fantastic power bat ad. Yasiel Pui coming in. Uh, and Lindor's just been, you know, just what you'd expect. Obviously, yeah. bringing Carlos Santana back in the offseason, I think that really helped get his mind back right. Addition of Reyes and Yasiel Pui, as, as you mentioned, two, guy, two great guys. And, you know, Lindor's just been at that MVP level you need. And Carlos Santana coming back the AL and the Indians where he's comfortable. 
a lot's clicking for them. I think to your point, it'd be tough for them to overtake the Astros. Um, obviously, it's going to be an Astros Indians uh, ALCS correct or ALDS. That'd right. be the matchup, um, and that's just a, a team that's kind of tough. JMac they added Zach Granke, which was probably the biggest last second deal that we've seen. You know, going three deep, I would say Verlander, Cole, and and Zach Granke are going to be your one, two, three. Just looking at that, is there a better starting three? How comfortable are you with those three guys in the playoffs? Incredibly comfortable because, I mean, that's all you really need are your three aces like that. It's a three-headed snake type situation. The only concern I would potentially have is I I, I like Zach Ranky a lot, but he's an anxiety guy. He struggles with the pressure of the big lights and all that. That's why he signed that contract in Arizona a couple years ago. But Houston is enough of a small feel while still being a big market team where he doesn't have to be the guy and he never did when he was with the Dodgers because he had Kershaw in front of him and so that's why I was was surprised to see him go to Arizona but I'm hoping that he's worked a lot of that stuff out because he's always gotten in his own way that way and not saying he can help it or anything like that but I just hope for his sake that that stuff doesn't creep up on him but other than that it's a fantastic rotation Uh, I mean Greg he had some great years out with the Dodgers, I I, I would say. So um, he unfortunately hasn't had too many postseason opportunities, obviously with all those years with the Royals, um, you know, only a handful there or a few with, with the Dodgers, I would say certainly probably being the number three or four guy, it it should hopefully take that pressure off. So it is, I mean, game one, I mean, that's something that's an art. I mean, that's something Verlander's mastered in his career. Bumgarner's mastered in his career. I'd say what we've seen in the past with the MLB being successful in the playoffs, you know, like the Royals have been, like the Yankees, the Cubs when they won theirs, is having that dynamite bullpen. And Roberto Osona over the last month has been real shaky as a closer. Uh, they do have Alex Presley I like, but I do have a little bit of concern if you only get five innings out of that starting pitcher, you know, their guys just, you know, Hector Rondon's been off. Will Harris is, you know, fine. I don't know. I just feel like that bullpen isn't as elite as you would want it, but everything else on that team is. So I guess you can't have it all, but. And it may not matter ultimately. Yeah. I just, I kind of worry a little bit, but then again, looking at Cleveland's bullpen, how horrendous that is. uh, I, I think they'll be just fine in that series. And, I mean, that was a big part of the Red Sox success last year was that they never even got to a situation where Kimbrell was necessary. A lot of times, Kimbrell just went out in relief instead of being in a save situation. Yeah, I mean, you know, three, four, five run leads. So, yeah, in this situation. But um, And I would kind of go back to the opposite problem for the Yankees with the starting pitching. I mean, you know, yeah, it's easy to beat up on Baltimore, as we're seeing every week now. It's easy to beat up on them, Detroit, and all those guys. But into the regular season, man, if if Houston's going out and throwing up a five spot in the first inning on you, I don't care how good your bullpen is. There's going to be some concerns. So I know the Yankees fans are all drumming and beating their chests, but I would have a lot of concern about who's going to be my one through four starters in the playoffs if I'm a Yankees fan. As a former pitcher, and you can attest to this as well, there's there's a very different feeling of going out with a clean slate versus a five-run hole. So that would be concerning to me as well. Yeah, I mean, you give Verlander or Cole a five-run spot there early, Yeah, you know, hypothetically speaking, but I, I think all these top teams in the AL have holes, and it's all different holes that the other teams have the ability to exploit, Agreed. which I think is going to make just the playoffs an absolute, you know, riot of a time. So I think every night we're going to see different results. We're not going to just see all low scoring or high scoring. It's going to be you know, every night making adjustments, trying to fine tune. So I think we're, you know, you're kind of locked in on the teams with the Rays and, uh, you know, Oakland looking for the wild card spots. But I, th- I think we're in for a good for a good treat. I think so too, man. And speaking of good treats, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, what do you think about Audible? I mean, Audible's fantastic, J-Mac. I don't know about yourself, but when you're driving into work, kind of hard to read a book at the same time, and that's where they come in. And just the same way we listen to these podcasts, some of the top narrators in the business going through bestsellers. 
oh, and I know you've tried to read while you drive, but it just doesn't work well, right? Does not work unless you have a Tesla. No, that that's a good point. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I think it's important to, to remember that Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial. Just go to audibletrial.com slash SLM. Uh, there you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a free title, and get started right away. Pretty easy. Audibletrial.com slash SLM. Free trial. Get started now. No obligation, anything like that. Check it out. Helps us keep doing all this great content. And you really just join in with what we're doing. You know, we we, we read. We listen. I think it's more more of a thing of listening to books now, but I like to consume it that way because I can take little bits at a time and, and make sure that I'm still getting my quote-unquote reading in, still consuming that content without having to actually do said reading. So I'm a huge fan. I use it all the time for travel, for SLM stuff, for work, all that, and I, I love it. So make sure to check it out. Once again, audibletrial.com slash SLM. All right, let's get into the NL stuff. How are, what are your thoughts on the NL overall? And overall, I think it's going to be hot garbage. I don't think there's one. I think the AL is light years ahead of them in talent-wise and overall teams. Um, certainly, the Dodgers are easy to crush on. And I guess we can start there in the West with the Dodgers. I've always had a concern, J-Mac, and anyone who's played sports can allude to this. When you're a team that's been ahead in double digits of the division, not played meaningful meaningful games since it seems like May is the only time they had to stress about this. It's really hard to turn that that lever on. When you go from we know we got it locked up, we're you know, we're not worried about resting or you know, you are resting guys. I it seems like teams, even in the NFL, when you get that bye week, you always see teams kind of drag out of the gate. And that's what it kind of feels like the Dodgers are going to be coming off of. Am I am I in the right line of thinking of being concerned about that with these the Dodger team? I could definitely see the vision there. I don't know if I agree with it because the Dodgers team is so damn good. But you're right. I mean, th- that was what I worried about with the Red Sox last year. Is they just pounded the dicks in of every opponent they had to the point right. where I'm like, are they even going to be ready to compete because they – haven't really needed to so that's a very valid concern but i mean it didn't prove to be true last year that dodgers team is just stacked though and i think that's the the my biggest takeaway and we'll talk about the mets here in a second but i do not believe in what's going on in new york but we'll talk about that in a second yeah i i think with the dodgers you know it's easy to say with every team but health has always been kind of their downfall you know hinjin ryu has finally put together a full healthy season He's always had the numbers, J-Mac. Obviously, this year's off the charts. It's going into free agency. But being able to keep him, Walker, Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, Kente Mieta, I mean, keeping these guys on the right track is just huge. And Dustin Mays come up, a fantastic a Red Rocket kid who can just fire a baseball, who's going to probably be one of those bullpen arms. You know, you see these starting pitchers like him, like Nathan Eovaldi did last year for Boston. Um a lot to like, and I say one of the guys that's not really considered, or maybe just not put the attention on, is going to be AJ Pollock. I mean, with a team that has such heavy left-handed hitters like Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, I mean, there's been a lot of pressure over the years on Justin Turner to produce when they do face left-handed pitchers. And I mean, you got guys with like with the Cubs, where you got Lester and Hamels. Uh, Atlanta has now got Dallas Keuchel. I mean, you're going to have to face these teams. And obviously, Cody Bellinger made those adjustments in the offseason. But I think keeping guys like A.J. Pollock healthy, Justin Turner healthy, who've both been banged up already this year, is going to be key for this team for them to be successful. Justin Turner is starting to kind of remind me of how Vlad Sr. played, where he's just like super utility type guy, can get a lot out of everything and just goes hard at no matter what he does. Where the difference is, is I hope, I hope this is not the case for Justin Turner, but I feel like that keeps him from being consistently healthy and you deal with the injury concerns a lot because he's just such a gritted out kind of guy. Pedroia is the same kind of guy, just a real hard player. And that takes a toll in baseball really quickly. So I hope for his sake that he kind of has passed that. It seems like every year he has one thing like that, that he just like some injury that puts him out for a little while. Yeah, and certainly to your point, I think he goes 110% every game. He doesn't know how to play any differently. And playing that hot corner at third, 
I mean, you got a lot of quick moving. It's a tough position to play when you're banged up. So um, a lot to like about the Dodgers, nothing against them. I just do get a little bit weary of these teams who've been locked up like this. Um, but we'll see, man. I would love Kershaw to get a ring. I, I think he's a great pitcher, obviously there. I think that whole team has been fighting for so long for the Dodgers to get theirs. Uh, be well-deserved and I'm going to be interested, but I'm just not sold on the NL out, you know, outside of what they've been doing. We have no idea what's going on in the central. I have no idea how the Cardinals are leading that division. Yeah. It's gone back and forth too. The Cubs have more so blown it than anything else though. Yeah. I feel like the Cubs have to be a disappointment. I mean, they're a sub 500 team just to take over basically for a team that spends a ton of money, Bron and Kent Krimble, uh, who is on the IL, but the whole bullpen is. I mean, you look yep. at that, I think Brandon Kinsler's on the IL. Um, you got Brandon Morrow, who's still banged up and around. Pedro Strope recently came off. I, I mean, I, I guess you got to kind of, I'm not saying give them a break because that's just not baseball. Everyone's got injuries. But, I mean, when your top five or six bullpen arms are are on the IL, J. Mac, I'm just not sure what you can do. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely a limitation. Let me ask you this. Say, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's say they missed the playoffs for some reason or another. Yeah. Joe Madden gone? Yeah, I think he has to. And and I am a Joe Madden fan, and I think he brings a lot to teams. And but I think I think he brings a lot to teams early on. I mean, he is a motivational guy, a big mm-hmm. clubhouse, you know, rah-rah type of folk. Yep. And that was the same as Jeff Bannister with the Rangers. Big rah-rah guy, really motivate, buy into my system. And then when it stops working, you know, it's really easy to get off that bandwagon. For it those rings guys. hollow is what happens. Right. Yeah. And it's easy for young kids to buy into that. You know, the young guys coming up from the minors, they really embrace that, you know, the traveling into funny costumes like he likes to do. But, you know, these guys and the Cubs are an older team now, whether you want to believe it or not. There's not a lot of young guys where. Now they've been through it with Madden. They have won the World Series, but they're like, yeah, this is kind of getting tired. I'm I'm sick of hearing this. Still love Joe Madden. I'm just not sure that this is the right guy to lead this team at this point. You know, uh, uh, certainly a, maybe a guy who's a little bit more old school may work with this, you know, setting of players. Yeah, that's just a, a really fine line anymore. And I'm I'm with you. I I, I think I've thought that. I was really surprised that they went into this year with him, to be honest. I, I really thought he would be gone. And not that I agreed with it or that I advocate for that, because to me, I don't know that it's a... Mm, I don't think it's a Madden problem. I really don't. I think what it ends up being is just that, I mean, kind of to your point, there's not much you can do when your entire bullpen's on the IL. And I know that every team has injuries and all that, and you can't use that as a you know an excuse. And in essentially in a 162-game season, that should work itself out right and I mean there are a lot of things that can factor in but it just seems like to me this group of guys that was dubbed so special and all that they just they haven't really been that good overall ever since they won the World Series now do you think having guys in the clubhouse like Jason Hayward who's making just loads of money and underperforming I mean had a better year but underperforming you Darvish just recently kind of getting on track. Do you think that plays into maybe this clubhouse and, you know, maybe having some guys against each other and not in agreement? Because I mean, personally, that's tough. I would imagine that's, a, yeah. I mean, that's like going to work every day, knowing a guy gets paid 20 more times than you and sucks at his job. Correct. That weighs on you. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a GM thing to do though. Like that's a problem that a GM should have have to consult and I, I just I don't know I, I've I've never gotten the spirit from them since they won I, I don't know how to describe it other than that where it just doesn't seem like they have that ability and it's not that they've done nothing like they've been aggressive they traded for you Darvish they traded or excuse me they signed you Darvish they traded right. for Cole Hamels they've done a lot and I mean I'm pretty sure their farm system's got to be about barren at this point as well like they traded yeah. for oldest Chapman like they've done a lot to help themselves but at the end of the day if the chemistry isn't there i guess the manager's got to go i just like are you thinking like bringing in someone like a joe girardi that's exactly the name i was thinking of yeah that would be the The only person i could think of 
right. You stabilize it. I think that's the right type of guy to bring in. And just like we talk about the NFL all the time, there's not a lot of elite managers out there. So, I mean, Joe Madden's up there. He's proven he's won at a lot of levels. Uh, it's a tough guy to say, Hey, we're going to move on. Cause it's always, the grass is always greener, but it's also not greener when you get there all the time. <laughs> right. Um, I just don't think that this team could necessarily benefit from bringing in like a Dusty Baker. I know you're a no. Dusty Baker guy, but like I just, mm, I don't think that's what this team needs. No, I, I would agree. So, and also on the flip side with this division, I know they're two games out, but I mean, you kind of expect a little bit more from Milwaukee. I mean, Christian Yelich still having a great, great season obviously the starting pitching hasn't been there they had injuries to the bullpen josh Hader struggled uh, kind of in the second half had a real up and down um i guess maybe they just caught lightning in the bottle last year but i mean lorenzo kane's underperformed it just seemed like the whole team the whole travis shaw mike moustakis core you know, where they're gonna play i don't know it just seemed like a team with a lot of question marks and none of them got figured out well and travis shaw has not had a great year either there's a lot of that stuff too is and, he even i don't think he's even on the active roster at this yeah point. i think he's been hurt a lot but I, I agree and i think like i mean if you remember last year milwaukee was kind of limping into the playoffs they were using openers they never really had the starting pitching to begin with going into the year and they and that and including last year as well but they didn't really do a lot to address that either in the offseason. And that would be concerning to me because, I mean, that'll definitely, I mean, I can speak from experience. If you don't do things to address some of those holes, I mean, you were right 100% whenever we talk about this. I can speak from that experience that it's going to be rough going forward. Yeah. And I think that's obvious, right? Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think you're going to ever have success in the MLB without starting pitching. Um, and, and just an, Fortunately, they just haven't gotten that repeat from those guys that they they were really hoping to see it from. Mm-hmm. You know, Keston Herrera, um, certainly a great prospect, come up and mash the ball for him, uh, but just been a little disappointing. Um, what do you think of the East? I, we'll move on from that division. Uh, quick, any prediction who wins it? Cardinals, Braves? It's such Cardinals? a toss-up right now. How, how many games are the Reds back? Like five and a half, right? Uh, seven and a half. Okay, so they've moved back a little bit. Okay. But, I mean, still within actual reach. So, I mean, that game, that division is going to be a toss-up no matter what happens. Well, I, I know we wanted to look at the East. Uh, the Mets certainly, you know, got a little fire into them, not going to contend for the division, most likely possibly a wild card. Uh, what's your thoughts on the, or the NL East moving forward here? I like the Braves a lot, man. I think the Phillies have a Gabe Kapler problem. I've been saying that for a long time. And I think the Mets – bandwagon has been very strong in august it's august there's still september and then october <laughs> if you make it there and i mean i think I, I i did the math the other day i pissed at myself that i didn't bring these numbers with me but they have to have i mean they have to basically win like 60 percent of their games going forward to have a real good shot at 90 wins and i just don't think they're gonna make it and at the end of the day man like they've been really like their pitching's good Sam has had the opinion that they basically can't sink any lower. I disagree with that because the Mets always find a way to fuck it up and they will fuck this up somehow. And I think this division's Atlanta's no problem. Yeah, Atlanta's got a five game lead on Washington. Uh, Washington has that first wild card spot. Little news there Sean Doolittle landed on the IL today. Their closer, been a little overworked, but they traded for some pieces. Uh, Hudson should stabilize that or Hunter Strickland area. Uh, I like a lot about Washington getting Max Scherzer back. And, you know, five games is a lot to overcome, but I, I certainly love this Nats team. We'll see what they can do. Um, yeah, Mets, Phillies, I, to your point, Gabe Kapler problem. It just seems like a lost year. The big news with the Phillies, they brought in Charlie Manuel as the hitting coach. Great to bring him back. Baseball mind, anyone who's been around him just – cannot rave about how much he cares about this sport cares about hitting in particular i just think this is great for the team it may pay more dividends next year Mm -hmm. and what these guys can carry into the offseason and that momentum but i I just for whatever reason it maybe it's by one game i just feel like the phillies miss out they just had it just feels like that type of a season with the injuries they've had with the results on the field it just feels like they're going to be one or two games short was charlie Manuel just like floating out there like not coaching anywhere 
So he wasn't coaching. He does what a lot of these old greats do is to your point, exactly float around, you know, goes to different clubhouses. He did. He does spend a lot of time in Philly. I mean, he just gets to live the dream, go, go wherever he wants and be cherished in every locker room that he walks into. It's astounding to me that some team didn't hire him. It's astounding. I, I don't think he was going to go anywhere else but Philly. I just, I, okay, I think okay. that was one of those. I'm deals. astounded that Philly didn't hire him earlier. <laughs> like I'm, just, I, I, he's that good. Like I, I love Charlie Manuel. I think he's a great hitting coach, and there's not many that really stack up and on those kinds of ranks. Very, very few, I would say. But he's definitely one of those guys. I have a lot of respect for that. But. Yeah. So we're we're excited for the NL. A lot to finish there. A lot of the AL baseball is going to be wild. You know, make sure to look in the outfielder pod as we certainly transition to a lot more football talk. Um, but certainly the outfielder podcast has you guys covered. Absolutely. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. We want to remind everybody of the usual stuff. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear your takes. We want to hear your questions. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. That number is 972-885-9361. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to play some of those. So uh, we're going to answer the questions. We've been kind of letting them pile up a little bit. Again, that number is in the description as well of the pod. That's 972-885-9361. We want to remind you guys to follow us on social media. That's at Sensibly Loud on Instagram and on Twitter. We want to remind you guys to follow us on Facebook at Sensibly Loud Media. And make sure just to check out the website, www.sensiblyloud.com. And we will see you guys next week. Nice.